Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Quick step, il retrace deux jours d'interruption. Ce maillot jaune, il sera en jaune demain, le jour du 14 juillet. Fête nationale, bien sûr, avec Julien Lafilippe qui reçoit le bouquet et le petit lion des hôtesses LCL qui symbolise la première place au classement général. Ah, le sourire carnassier et satisfait de Julien Lafilippe. And that was the moment when Julien Alaphilippe claimed that yellow jersey back again. I'm not going to say I'm smug, but I am actually quite smug because if you listen to this other podcast before, you know that uh, this is exactly pretty much what I was predicted. Anyway, this is the Zwift Cycling Cetro podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website sbs.com.au slash tdf or schedule rides with our friend at Zwift. Yes, I'm smug, Mr. David McKenzie. How right was I? You know what? One, you're lucky you just said, you, you addressed me by Mr. McKenzie. Uh, thank you for respecting that. Two, did you forget to say bonjour, bonjour, bonjour again? You it know? doesn't matter today. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Well, I'm, I've got to cling on to something. And uh, no, you know what? I'll give you this one. I'll give you this one. It, look, it is fantastic. And... You know that the crazy thing about it all, everyone expected Alaphilippe to attack on that final climb, but only one guy could follow him. So he is a superstar. He, he absolutely is a superstar. Uh, he didn't win the stage, but it didn't matter, did it? He'll go into yellow on Bastille Day. Absolutely. Well, let's recap. Uh, it was quite of a strange beast of a, of a stage. This is exactly what we mentioned yesterday. Thomas de Ghent, let's start with him. What an incredible winner, 195 kilometers on the breakaway. And at the end, he held those two riders, Pino and Alaphilippe, plus the group, the peloton, right up to win this stage. What a win. He is a monster. He has won Mont Ventoux. He's won on the Stelvio. He's won stages in the Croatum de Dauphiné. He has finished on the podium in the Giro d'Italia. That is his best victory, bar nothing. Before, before we listen to him, I want to mention something as well. The fact that Alaphilippe claimed the yellow jersey back, it would have been almost unfair if he would have been caught up in the last meters and entered a battle with those two guys. It would have been just unfair. Let's be, let's be honest about it. I'm very happy that Alaphilippe didn't actually win this stage. I'm with you. I'm with you. And you know what? I mean, as an, as an Australian, it's, we've got Michael Matthews in the bunch coming in. And of course, I want to see, you know, the biased in me wants to see Matthews win a stage. But I, I wanted to see De Ghent win the stage. He deserved it. How can, how can you, how can you uh, deny a guy victory when he's been away for 195 kilometres? He's ridden his breakaway companions literally off the wheel, which is, that's just what, I don't know why we're talking like we're surprised. I mean, this is what he does. But, and apparently, you know what else? Apparently, I don't know, I'm not sure if he's a really nice guy because nobody wants to train with him in Belgium. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> okay, let's listen to uh, Thomas de Ghent. No, it was a really nice stage for me. It was uh, never too steep. The climbs were never too long. And uh, 
uh, on a day day like today where the the, the roads are narrow and uh, twisting and turning, then it's really difficult for the bunch to to get uh, uh, a good chase on and. Uh, yeah, once we we, we we had like four minutes at uh, 70 kilometers to go, I really started to, to believe in uh, the victory. And uh, I think this is one of the nicest I've ever won. So that was the winner of the stage number eight, Thomas Degen. Again, uh, when, we, when we see the way he let the marquee off, you know, the marquee was just dropped after this. I mean, mentally for the marquee, doing 190 something kilometers in the lead game, I'm in that mix and then getting that kicked in, that must be so hard for him. Yeah, oh, it's crazy, isn't it? And the fact is, DeMarkey's won Grand Tour stages. So he's ridden the guy off a wheel who, in his own right, is a bit of a superstar, Alessandro, and, and a breakaway specialist. So, no, again, again, he redefines the term opportunist. And in this era, sorry, across, across the generations, and I've been... You know, I've been following cycling bike races since I was about six years old, right? So, so that's really long time. Yeah, it's a long time. It's three decades and, and some. Well, you know what else you'll like? Like Thierry Marie, the Frenchman, he was one of the greats. And I loved, I loved him and I loved his style. He was a breakaway specialist. Jackie Durand, of course, through my era, and he was, he's a little bit older than me, but I did get to race against him. He was one of the greats. I think Thomas Degen has redefined it and he's taken the top spot and those two guys I rate big time but I think Thomas again is the greatest breakaway specialist we've seen in the last 30 or 40 years absolutely okay the man of the moment is of course Alaphilippe uh, I decided this <laughs> should we be playing the French national anthem or, well I'll save that till tomorrow <laughs> I'm playing it in my head it's on repeat anyway uh, <laughs> but no honestly uh, he provided a stage a finish of a stage that is you know, we had this breakaway with Thomas de Gain, which made that stage already great. But this became an incredible stage with what Alaphilippe did. Let's listen to Julien Alaphilippe. Julien, you, uh, you're rewriting the, the definition of panache as a word. Tell us how does that feel to get it back, that yellow jersey. Yeah, today I, I ride my bike like I, I love to ride my bike, like a full attack mode and don't thinking too much. And uh, yeah, my goal was to try to keep... Uh, keep it back the, the yellow and uh, I have tomorrow so it's just so nice what does that mean for a French rider to be uh, wearing yellow on Bastille Day and tonight you got the yellow with dedicated to the Blero Bernardino I think it's difficult to, to be on the best uh, better scenario for a Frenchman merci merci so that was my interview with uh, Julien Alaphilippe you cannot have a better moment in life than what just happened for him is that the peak of his happiness well, is, is he married? Has he got children? It doesn't matter today. <laughs> just... just be careful, you and Julian, if the girlfriend's <laughs> listening. No, look, it's in a sporting career, it absolutely, absolutely, it, it's what a moment, what a moment. And again, I'll just say it, and I, I truly mean it, the French need, they've got some heroes, but they need guys that can challenge big time in this race, win stages and potentially challenge for the overall. So it's a two-pronged thing for me. Uh, if I put my sort of business marketing hat on for the race, you've got Julian Alaphilippe, who is just oozes talent. And then you've got Thibaut Pino, who I've been talking him up since the very beginning. And I am adamant that he is a serious challenger in this, in this race. He's the only winner on GC, really. The, the main contender, the main favourite, is the only... He, he, he claimed back time today. He's the only one that did. And the fact is... 
they did a pretty good team's time trial, uh, Group Armour FDJ. So he hasn't missed a beat yet, Thibaut Pino, has not missed a beat. And let's be fair to Team Ineos. I mean, they had they escaped major disaster today. They were very, very lucky. Uh, you know, with the crash, what, three of their riders went down. Johnny Moscon's bike completely snapped in half. Uh, a lot, few people thought Garrett Thomas had, had got on a spare bike. He hadn't. He was on his own bike. So it was a it was a escape disaster. And kudos to Thomas. He got back on on his own in the end. Egan Bernal stayed in that front group. So, but that stopped him from having any chance of jumping away with or chasing down Pino uh, and uh, Alaphilippe. How, how much do you think the, the symbol of uh, Alaphilippe winning a jersey with? Uh, Bernard Hino's face on it. That was the jersey awarded. We know they, they're giving away a different jersey every, every day. Today, it was Bernard Hino here in Saint-Etienne to celebrate one of his victories. A Frenchman winning this with the face of the last French winner of the Tour de France on the eve of Bastille Day. I'm so happy. I, I, I can't even speak about it. You know what I'm thinking? You know what I'm just thinking now, pal? You and your French cronies... I think there's a conspiracy theory going on here. Isn't it just ironic that, oh, we'll just put Bernard on the day before Bastille Day. Frenchman wins. I'm just starting to think, hang on a minute. I think there's been some money changed hands here. There's been some shifty business going on. No, it's called panache. I wonder, one day I'll teach you what it is, panache. <laughs> I've never heard that word. No, it, it, look, it is, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And, uh... If you don't, if you don't, if you're thinking, come on, Mackenzie, beautiful, it is beautiful because the French will come out in their droves tomorrow, and and that's what we want. You know, the race, the race does need, it needs another French challenger, a serious French challenger. So we talked about it yesterday. Uh, him being a GC potential winner or not, I'm, we're not going to come back to this, but I want to just go on to a wider question on this. You know, the, the winners of Tour de France in the years gone by, they've all been super calculated. It's making sure you're not making the wrong move. It's becoming a little bit boring, a little bit vanilla, a little bit beige. Someone like uh, Alain Philippe, he's purple, he's green, he's yellow. You know, he's, he's putting fire onto this, uh, onto this Tour de France. Why can't someone like this just set the Tour de France and, on fire and just open it up right up? I like that, Vanilla. Vanilla, I might use that in my uh, in my English commentary. <laughs> can I can I borrow that? No problem, it's yours. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, no, but you see what I mean? Like it's been it's been it's been soporific for a little while, and now there's someone that just lit up the dynamite. You've you've hit it on the head. You you totally hit it on the head, and it and it's true. And look, I think as as look, we're all spectators of this race. We we work on this event, uh, but we are spectators of of the event. And the spectators, the real spectators, I guess, who are on the other side of the fence, they want to see a race like that, purple, fire. They want to see it blown apart. That We want to see different. We don't want to see clinical and sterile as much. We understand that's what is needed to be done sometimes, but we want to see exciting. And the way Matt Keenan burst into our truck after the finish, he's like a kid in a candy store, and I love him for that. Matt is a, he is a student of the sport of cycling but he's also uh you know someone who's so passionate about it and and he he was he was so excited by today's stage and when maddie gets excited uh because of his knowledge and the research that he does of the riders and the stages ahead you know he thinks now that this is going to be 
a super exciting you know next two weeks so i think we all should get excited by it absolutely and one last question about uh, the, the way this victory happened uh, tell us you as an ex-professional rider when you have the best laid out plans and they work you work to the score of the music it's all going to plan you know how don't you get excited because they have to calm down a little bit they have to be a bit excited but also a lot more cycling to be done I mean, uh, tell us what it is in, in the, what, what's going on in their mind today what is going on in Philippe's mind well he's he's about two pegs in the order above where anywhere where, where I ever was so I think he'll he'll soak this win in a, a bit less excitement than I would have uh, or any any rider who've done that for the very first time because he's had a lot of big victories Milan San Remo this year I mean you know he's won a monument this year I mean the guy's just having an incredible season but saying that as a Frenchman he needs to calm down a little bit probably because he probably knows he's not going to win this Tour de France or does he? Uh, no, you said we weren't going to entertain this. And now look at you. Oh, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, I've been giddy, up, to. <laughs> giddy up, he says. <laughs> no, um, realistically, how do you self-contain in your brain that you still have 15 days ahead of you, but he's in yellow and the way he's done it again? Well, I think, look, there's a few things. Firstly, uh, he'll celebrate tonight. He'll have a champagne and they'll, they'll, they'll cheers the whole team. And then he'll... He'll probably, I'm not sure, who knows, only he knows or his soigneur or his minders know how he sleeps, if he's a really good sleeper or if he'll have that much excitement that he'll struggle. So, but he'll get up tomorrow, he'll be pumped, it's Bastille Day, you know, and that's just, that's just imagine, imagine the camera crews around Juliana Alaphilippe tomorrow morning at the stage start. This is going to be bonkers. All the camera crews and one little French-Australian with a podcast mic. <laughs> you better muscle your way in, I think. I'll muscle in, all right. There's no problem. You know, I'm so excited. I'll be in there. <laughs> you will. And no doubt. But uh, look, I think, well, now he has nothing to lose. Yes, okay, he, he will lose the yellow jersey, so he does have something to lose. But psychologically and mentally in his state, he's too is a massive success. Two stints in the yellow, uh, a stage win, maybe another one to come. So his tour is a success no matter what happens now. If he pulls out in three days' time, Julian Alaphilippe had an amazing Tour de France. That's the fact. So anything now will be a bonus. And this is how we end this part of the podcast. Let's move on to the uh, next stage uh, tomorrow uh, because I will be celebrating as well, probably with a couple of uh, glass of champagne. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we start again from Saint-Étienne. This is where we finish tonight. Uh, Saint-Étienne, interesting fact, 1886. What happened in Saint-Étienne in 1886? Ah, uh, uh, the first bike, push bike was made. Is that right? From the Saint-Étienne brand French bike. Yeah. Boom! Yes, yes, yeah. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I, I, you know, I was getting mixed up with, I think, was it yesterday's pod where the first photograph was taken? Look, yeah, he was in Chalon sur Saône. Ah, oh, jeepers. What, what, what are you going to tell him? What's going what's to be in the next town? I don't know. I'm learning every day. So. <laughs> There's something new. Okay. No, but that's quite incredible. Just to say, 1886, 1886, the first bike was built here. The first French bike was here by a brand called Saint-Étienne. And you know what else actually? I know this is, oh, we're clutching a little bit here, but it is quite interesting. The very first Tour de France 1903, stage one, finished in Lyon from Paris. That's 460 kilometres, right? Away. And the, that first stage, the first climb of the very first ever Tour de France 
passed within 15 kilometres of today's stage. So we are in uh, Villoland. So the first climb ever in the history of this great race passed within 15 kilometres of today's stage and then you have a Frenchman go on the attack on the final climb of the day's stage. There's something in that. I'm a little bit of a sliding doors moment, you know. I think there's, there's something there. Maybe this is a good omen for the French. Absolutely. Get excited. Uh, actually, I am super excited. Get, get excited. Can you please not? Like, I think that's enough. If we, had a, if we actually had a camera on you for the last half an hour... Oh, gee. Do you know, know in the truck, and I'm just going to give you a little secret, at the end of the stage, you guys all went to do your job and do your, your interview. So you saw, the, you saw the finish there. I stayed here in the truck on my own. I was jumping on, on my own. Did you have an emotional cry? Or? <laughs> I was just jumping around on my own in the truck. <laughs> Seriously, were you at really? Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a joke. I was. <laughs> we should, I should have put the GoPro up, up in the corner. We could have captured the whole thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, come on. Okay, new stage tonight. Uh, Saint-Etienne to Briourd. Another smoky of a stage. What can we expect from this one? <sighs> well, why don't you tell me, wise guy? <laughs> how you got yesterday. I quit when I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, you're dead right. All, all I can think is I can read breakaway, breakaway, breakaway on this one. I, think, I tend to agree with you um, because I actually start, it drops downhill at the very start. So the first six kilometres goes downhill. Then it climbs up and uncategorised. And then at about 30, sort of three kilometres, there's a category one climb, but it's only really short, 3.2 kilometres at 11% average. So there's going to be some steeper sections in that. And then it sort of plateaus out. And then there's a category three at about 108. And then a category three, again, towards the end. Gee, they're doing a good job this year. And there's a bonification point at the last climb as well. And again, 13 kilometres from the finish line in Brioude, 170 in total. I actually think, again, it's got to be the right combination, but I believe a breakaway will survive, and it'll be a breakaway of riders 10, 20 minutes down in the general classification. I mean, the only other possibility is because there's only three categorised climbs compared to uh, the previous stage of seven, just maybe you'll get the teams of Sagan, Matthews and possibly a couple of sprint, sprinters teams to try and keep it together. You forget one element. It's Bastille Day. So the French are on the march. The French are going to set fire to this left, right and centre. What? Like literally set fire to the course or? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, but literally uh, this is where like, the realisation of what just happened today will go through exciting lot of the French riders as well. So I reckon a lot of the French riders today are thinking what to do and don't rule out Pinot on this one. Actually, I've got a question for you on this. What, what will the French press be writing overnight and into Bastille Day? What will they be writing? Uh, I think they are today debating right now what would be the, hel the headline along the line of C'est Magnifique or something like they would just be nuts about what the newspaper would say tomorrow about this win. I, I think you're right. Actually, I've got a real corny one for you. I tweeted this out earlier. Check it out. Give it a like, even if you think it's really average. But I said, I've discovered... You said no dad jokes. No dad jokes. Oh, it's not a dad joke. You make of it what you will. But I think it's, it's, all, it's all right. I discovered a new wine. There's a new wine on the market. Do you want to know what it is? Go on. It's a Pinot de Ghent. Strong, bold, and full of character. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> I think it's good. Is that a dad joke? I think it's, it's good. It's a dad joke. It's a dad joke. It's come on. It's good. It's good. And I put Pino in there. Or you wanted Ala Philippe. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just a varietal. Again, you can get away with it. <laughs> it's a dad joke. Anyway, thank you, Micah, for this great podcast. Probably the best we had so far. Uh, maybe I'm just a little bit biased, but I'm so happy and pumped. Now, I'm pumped too. I am pumped. I'm pumped for you. And bring on Bastille Day. And you know what else? I'll, I will, I'll, I'll put it in tomorrow. It's my son's birthday on Bastille Day. And he was born in Europe, so it's special. Absolutely. Also, we need to mention, and we want to mention, uh, there is a rest day ride happening uh, on the rest day, of course. Uh, it's with Robbie and Kino. So if you want to check out a ride on Zwift with our very own Kino and, uh, and uh, Robbie McEwen, I think that's quite a good opportunity. That is a great thing. Can you tee up a trainer for me and a bike? We can talk about it. We can talk about it. Uh, I'm serious, actually, about it. <laughs> uh, but imagine this. You can ride with Kino and Robbie McEwen on the rest day. More information on Zwift.com slash events. Thank you, Maka, joining me today. Thank you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf, or schedule a rise with our friends at Zwift. Until next podcast, it's bye for now. A quick shout-out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.